Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles is where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 10. And while you're turning there, let me, as two or three people have already done this morning, wish you a happy new year. It's the first day of a new year, and we're spending it together in a church service. It's a sweet way to start a new year. And the new year, as we know, is a time that we are kind of turning a page in our, in our lives. We're saying hello to 2023, for better or for worse. We're saying goodbye to 2022, for better or for worse. And today also really marks kind of the official end of the holiday season in a lot of ways. We've got Christmas decorations are coming down. Travelers are returning home. Work is picking back up for some of us. Leftovers are finally running out. The holidays are coming to a close, and I imagine for many of us, it's a sign of relief. I say that because a lot of us can only take so much traveling. We can only take so many house guests. We can only take so much food. Our bank accounts can only take so much spending. All I want for Christmas is a great song, but after you've heard it 500 times, you're kind of ready to turn the page on that song as well. We want the holidays to, to feel like a break, but a lot of times they end up feeling more like a workout. You're just trying to survive and get through. And I think if there was one word that a lot of us might use to describe the holiday season, it would be this, busy. It can feel like there's so much going on, right? The cooking and cleaning and wrapping gifts, entertaining guests and traveling coordinating schedules, trying to please everyone. It's a, it's a lot. And this word busy doesn't just apply to the holidays, as we know. Uh, think about this. Think about how many times you are asking people how they're doing, and they reply with, I'm good, man, busy. Or you say, how's this coming week looking for you? And they say, it's going to be busy, but I'm hoping things will slow down in a week or two. And of course, they never do. We just keep saying that for the rest of our lives. And many of us seem to almost wear this description of busy as a badge of honor. We've been conditioned to do that. We can sometimes even feel bad if we're not as busy as the next person, right? Like if someone asks what we did yesterday, we almost feel a little bit of shame if we say, I took a nap. You can't say that. Being busy is another thing that we are tempted to find our value in. Our culture tells us the same thing. I saw a Dunkin' Donuts billboard coming in from out of town a couple days ago that said, keep going and we'll keep you going. That's the message. Don't slow down. Don't stop. Keep moving. Stay busy. And we'll help you keep going. We're always thinking there's so much to do and we don't have any time to waste. And the problem is there's always more to do and so we stay busy. In our passage today, we find Jesus entering a home, and we find a couple of very different reactions to his visit. We find one woman who is working really hard to serve Jesus. In a word, she's busy. And we find another woman who has taken a break from all the busyness of life so that she can sit with Jesus. So before we move on, let me read God's word for us. You can follow along Luke chapter 10, Verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. 
And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. I wonder who you might have related to more in this story as we read it. And I also wonder how you would respond if Jesus came over to your house today. Would you serve or would you sit? Would you stay busy or would you take a break? Would you work or would you rest? These are some good questions to have kind of marinating in your mind as we walk through this passage. We're going to look at the story in four different parts. And the first one is this. Point number one, a famous house guest. A famous house guest. For many of us, anytime someone is a guest in our home, there's a little bit of pressure, right? Uh, and it even doesn't even matter how comfortable we are with this person, especially if, they're, if it's their first visit over to your home. You want it to go well, right? You want to make a good impression. You want to honor that person. You want them to feel welcome. You want them to at least want to come back. You're the host. You want to be a good one. Well, in this story, we find Jesus being welcomed into someone's home. And we know, of course, that Jesus is no ordinary house guest. But look at verse 38 again. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. He's with his disciples. He enters this village. A woman named Martha welcomes him into her home. It's important to note here that Martha is a believer. She recognizes Jesus as Lord. We see that in verse 40. A little bit later, she goes to Jesus addresses him as Lord. And I feel like, maybe you do, I feel like Jesus, uh, Martha gets somewhat of a bad rap sometimes because of this story. She, she was a genuine believer in Jesus. Look back at, uh, just look at this contrast. Verse 38 again, a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. This is significant. Listen to Luke chapter 9, verses 51 and 52, just one chapter earlier. It says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. But he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. Listen to this. But the people did not receive him. Contrast. Jesus was famous. He was well-known, but he wasn't universally liked. We know this. It's like today, right? A lot of people have heard of Jesus, they recognize his name, but not everybody invites him into their lives. So think about that. Martha welcomed the Lord into her home when others would not. It's admirable. That's a great quality about Martha. She loves Jesus, but what we find is she, she seems to be a little confused about what it means to be devoted to him. We'll unpack that. But think about what's going on in this story. Jesus, he's with his disciples. They're walking along. They enter this village. Specifically, they enter a village, a place called Bethany. This is where Mary and Martha are living. 
where their home is. That's where their brother Lazarus lived, who many of you know of. This is the same Lazarus that raised Jesus, uh, that Jesus raised from the dead. You can read about that in John chapter 11, if you want to look at that later. So you've got these two sisters, two believers in Jesus, and Martha invites Jesus into their home. Just picture it, right? I like to picture some of these stories in my mind. Martha sees Jesus. She sees disciples in her town. She flags him down, and she welcomes him into her home with open arms. Come, come, Jesus. We'd like to host you. Come hang out with us. We want to treat you well. And then what happens? Her mind starts to race with everything she has to get done. This is, after all, the Lord of all the earth in the flesh in her home, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who heals the sick and raises the dead and calms storms and walks on water. This man, this God-man is in the living room. Listen to just a few of the things Jesus has done so far in Luke's gospel up to this point. I'm going to give you a lot of Bible, which is not a bad thing. Just think about who this visitor is. Luke chapter 4. You're welcome to turn to these, but it may be too much to do. Don't worry about that. Just try and listen. Luke chapter 4, 31 through 37. We're going to marvel at Jesus for a few moments through these passages. In the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst... He came out of him, having done no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about Jesus went out into every place in the surrounding region. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Keep going. Think about our Savior here. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 7. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. We see this miraculous control over nature. Right? Luke chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus can forgive sins. Luke chapter 8. Just a few more here. Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. One day... Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. 
Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to Jesus, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, many of you know this story, they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate, 5,000 people. They all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. One more here. Luke chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, as Jesus does. And he said to her, do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up. Jesus did that. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us. And they said, listen to this, they said, God has visited his people. That's who this famous house guest is. God in the flesh is visiting Mary and Martha. This is a big deal. What do you do when the Lord of all the earth is in your living room? Let's think about what these sisters do for a few moments. Part number two, an attentive student. An attentive student. If you're like me, you're thinking there's no such thing as an attentive student. None of them pay attention. But as we've seen, Jesus is a miracle worker. And right here in verse 39, Jesus, he's got a captive audience. It says, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Jesus is invited into this home, and he starts doing what he does. He teaches. We're, we're not told exactly what he's teaching, but even just before this story that we're reading right now, he taught about things like justice and mercy and repentance and the kingdom of God. Tells the parable of the Good Samaritan a little bit earlier. He's talked about the cost of discipleship and about his coming death and resurrection. He's predicted this thing that he's going to do for the salvation of his people. Those are only a few things that he's talked about in Luke 9 and 10. Earlier, in Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So he's most likely in this home preaching the good news of the kingdom. When it comes down to it, he's, he's teaching the gospel in a lot of different ways, right? Even earlier in chapter 4, starting in verse 16, Jesus, he goes to the synagogue to preach, and he starts by reading from Isaiah 61. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, which we know he would do physically to people, give them their sight, and he would do to many of us even in this room, spiritually, giving us sight. 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So he reads from Isaiah 61, he's teaching, and then in verse 21 of Luke chapter 4, he drops this bombshell when he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus, he came to preach good news, to bring forgiveness to all who would turn from their sins and put their faith in him. And it makes sense that he's probably continuing to talk about these same things here at Martha's house. And Mary is eating up every word. And as a side note, Jesus here is, just by his actions, he's encouraging women to study the scriptures. Wasn't the most common thing in this culture, but Jesus, he wants men and women alike to know the word. He wants men and women alike to see him in the word. In his earthly ministry, we see over and over again the care that Jesus has for men and women in a way that wasn't the most common. He desired for men and women to know and to believe the Bible. It's important to remember that about our Savior. So Jesus, he enters this home, he begins to teach, and Mary is listening. She puts whatever she was doing on hold, and she focuses her attention. She's locked in, zeroed in on the Lord. She wants to learn. She wants to be with Jesus. She values whatever it is that he's saying. It's clear that what matters most to Mary in this moment is being with Jesus, period. She's devoted to him. Oh, how I wish more of my, I'm a school teacher. I wish more of my students were like Mary, attentive, respectful, humble, ready to learn. Seriously, I want to be more, a little bit more like Mary here. She's saying, you're the bread of life and I'm ready to eat. You're the living water and I'm ready to drink. Mary seems to know the truth of Matthew 4, 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God is speaking. I want to hear it. More than she needs anything else right now, Mary seems to know that she needs Jesus. Her desire is to be with him. She's not focused on doing anything. She's simply focused on being and receiving. So when Jesus drops by for a visit, Mary sits at his feet. What about Martha? What does she do? Point number three, three and four I think might be a little bit longer, but just hang with me. Point number three, an angry sister. An angry sister. Look at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha understandably is focused on being a good hostess. This is the Lord. We've we've thought about this. It's a big deal. She's making sure that everything is clean and organized. Everything's in its proper place. All the guests have plenty to eat, plenty to drink. She's making sure that they are having a good time, that they have a good experience, that they feel honored and loved, that they'll maybe want to come back. I'm sure part of what Martha's doing is, is maybe she's wanting to make a good impression, but I do think that she genuinely wants to serve Jesus. This is her master, her Lord. She wants to treat him well. She wants to serve him as best she can. After all, isn't isn't this what we're called to do as believers, right? Serve the Lord. And doesn't Jesus, if anybody, doesn't Jesus deserve this five-star treatment? So that's her mindset. She's hustling, bustling to make everything great for her Lord. And what's her sister Mary doing? We've seen it. Mary looks like she's just hanging out. She's taking a load off. She's not even lifting a finger to help. 
Just imagine what Martha's thinking. Martha is working. She's sweating. She's probably not even taking a moment to catch her breath. And then there's Mary, just chilling. Martha's doing all this work to give Jesus the best experience possible. And Mary, on the other hand, doesn't look like she's doing anything. She's just sitting there. You can imagine Martha looking over at her sister and just kind of glaring at her, putting lasers through the back of her head and thinking, you lazy bum, help me. She's probably thinking, Mary, don't you know who this is? Get up and give me a hand. This is the Lord. Don't you know who this is? Quit sitting there and doing nothing. Martha's doing all the work, and Mary's just enjoying the company. Maybe some of you can relate to that a little bit. Probably a lot of you can, coming out of this holiday season. How often do we have people over, and then we blink, and they're gone, and all we've done is cook and clean? We love our guests, and we want to serve them, but before we know it, our guests are gone, and we've missed them. All we're left with are the memories of the cooking and the cleaning that we did. Think of it like this. Imagine if Dwayne the Rock Johnson came by your house. You're going to have to use your imagination here. Imagine if Dwayne the Rock Johnson, the actor, entrepreneur, weightlifter, former wrestler, comes by your home unannounced. And you open the door and you say, hey there, Mr. Rock. Come on in. And you invite him to make himself at home in your living room. And then you go into the other room. And you're kind of in and out of the living room but you're doing other things. You're working, you're making food, straightening up, cleaning up, tidying up, checking in on people, waiting on people. And then a few hours later, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his entourage, they leave. And then imagine that word gets out, as it would, that The Rock was just at your house. Everyone's going to want to hear about this visit, right? So people come up to you and they ask, What did y'all talk about? Did he recite some lines from his movie? Did y'all talk about the movies that he's been in? And you say, I'm not sure. I was cooking dinner. And they say, well, well, did he give you maybe some workout tips? The guy seems like he knows what he's doing. Did he teach you some stuff? And you say, well, he he might have talked about that, but I was scrubbing the toilet. I I don't know what they were talking about. And someone asked, well, you at least had him say his line, right? His famous line from his wrestling days, right? You had him do that. Surely he reenacted that. And you say, it's, it's possible, but I was sweeping the porch. I, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. I only saw the rock a little bit, but I hope he had a good time. These people are going to look at you, and they're going to think, the rock was in your home, and you were doing the dishes? Are you kidding me? But in that moment, your focus is on giving Dwayne the Rock Johnson a good experience. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime visitor that has just come to your home, and you want it to be a good one for your famous visitor. Of course, this isn't a one-to-one comparison, but Martha is working hard to serve the Lord. She has that kind of mindset, and she's upset that her sister is not helping. You see this in the second part of verse 40. Martha goes up to Jesus and says, she says, Lord, do you not care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And as we've seen, on the one hand, maybe Martha's reaction to her sister is totally understandable, right? She's, she's respectful. She calls Jesus Lord, but she's irritated. Nobody likes to be the person doing all the work, 
right? Maybe you've worked on a group project at school before and you did all the work, but all four group members get the same grade. It's not the best feeling, right? Unless you're the group member that didn't do any of the work and you got the A, then it's the best feeling. But Mary's frustrated. She, she says, I'm slaving away here. I'm trying to be a kind and gracious host. Mary isn't helping. And, and Lord Jesus, you seem okay with it. You're not saying anything. But before we give Martha too hard of a time, how many of us have asked that same question before in various ways? Lord, don't you care? You ever thought that before? Asked that before? Lord, don't you care? In our pride, because we think we know best, we accuse the Lord of being uncaring. And if you didn't know the end of this story already, you might be thinking the same thing, like, that's a great question, Martha. I'm with you. I have a lot of Marys in my own life, and I have the same question about them. But going back to verse 40, this is so interesting. It says, Mary is sitting with Jesus, and Martha is distracted with what? With much serving. It, it means that, uh, well, let me back up. So many times in the church, we, we talk about how serving the Lord and serving others is the main thing, right? That's the priority. That's the sign of a tr- true Christian is how well they're serving, how often they're serving, what ways they're serving. That's how we talk sometimes. That's the main thing. But it says that Martha was distracted with much serving, it means that there's something else that she should have been focusing on. There's something else that, the, that she should have prioritized, but she was distracted from whatever that is with her serving. In this story, we see that there's something even more important than serving the Lord. Can you believe that? That's, that's what I see that it says, though. Something even more important than that. Mary is sitting with Jesus, but Martha couldn't do that because she was distracted. And she wasn't distracted with something bad, right? It's not like she's watching TV in the other room. She's not just doing her own thing and ignoring Jesus. She's not oblivious that someone is over at the house. She's doing a good thing. But her doing this good thing seems to be keeping her from the best thing. And this is the final part of our story, the longest point a surprising answer. Part number four, a surprising answer. Look at how Jesus responds in verse 41. It says, the Lord answers her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Your sister Mary, she's chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's a lot to unpack here. You know, put yourself in Martha's shoes. You know that this had to catch Martha off guard, right? Like if, if you're a, a kid, and maybe the kids in the room, you can relate to this. If you're a kid and you share a room with your sister, you're both responsible to clean the room, I assume, right? It's your bedroom, you share it, you're both responsible to clean it. And if you're cleaning the room and your sister is not helping you, you're going to be frustrated at your sister. You're going to find your mom and you're going to say, Mom, can you tell my sister to help me clean? She's not helping. I'm doing all the work. This isn't my mess. This is her mess. She's not helping me clean. And you're expecting your mom to 
Maybe yell at your sister or talk to your sister and say, hey, get in there and help your sister clean. But what if your mom said something like, just don't worry about cleaning your room. You're stressing out about it. Just calm down. Just chill out. Just be a little bit more like your sister. You're going to be thinking, you're saying I don't need to clean my room? Who are you and what have you done with my mother? Right? That's not something you'd expect your mom to say and you'd be surprised. Well, in our story, Jesus hears Martha's complaint and he gives what I think had to have been an unexpected answer. And to be clear, he's not scolding Martha here. Doesn't seem to be. He says, says her name twice, which was a way of showing compassion. It's kind of like, like putting your arm around someone. They're there. Like, can I talk to you for a minute? He says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about a lot of things. You're worried about a lot of things. But it doesn't have to be like this. Just one thing is necessary. Think about this. Out of a desire to honor Jesus, Martha inadvertently has actually caused Jesus to become a burden to her rather than a blessing. In trying to honor the Lord, the Lord has become a burden to her rather than a blessing. Rather than being satisfied in Jesus on this afternoon, she's become stressed by him. Rather than being awestruck by, by the Lord, her visit, his visit has made her anxious. And rather than delighting in Jesus here in this afternoon, she's distressed because of everything that she has to get done. Jesus says here, you have all these things you're doing, Martha, but all you really need is this one thing. What is that one thing? It's the good portion that Mary chose. And what is the good portion? What's well, Jesus himself? It's the grace of God in Christ. Martha chose duty. Mary chose delight in Jesus. Martha chose doing, and Mary chose being with him. Martha's devotion to the Lord looked like doing a bunch of things divorced from being with Jesus. God help us to not divorce doing from being. If we're working hard to do things for Jesus at the expense of seeing him and being with him, what are we really doing? Martha is aware of what Mary isn't doing. This is so key. Martha is aware of what Mary isn't doing, but she's not aware of what she herself is not doing. All she can see is Mary's not doing this. Martha has no category for what she herself is not doing. She sees very clearly that at least in her mind, her sister isn't serving Jesus. But what she can't see is that she is the one who is missing out on being with Jesus, learning from him, listening to him, talking with him, experiencing closeness and fellowship with him by simply being with him. She was doing all these things for Jesus, but she was doing them really without Jesus. In a lot of ways, it's possible, right? It's possible to serve Jesus in all these different ways, good ways, being involved in church, loving your neighbor, sharing the gospel, leading Bible studies, preaching. It's possible to do all of these things for Jesus, 
and yet do them without Jesus, with your priorities at the very least a little mixed up. Listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Martha was doing all of these things, but she was doing them without Jesus. He's over in the other room. So she really was doing nothing in this moment. Serving Jesus, but not spending time with Jesus. And so she really was doing nothing. There's some wisdom, I think, in there for us. We can do all of these things. We, we hear a lot about how much we have to do, right? As, as people in the world and even as Christians in the church, how much we have to do. And yes, there are things to do, right? There's a lot that even has to be done to make a service happen on Sunday morning. There are things that, that we need to get done. But you can do all these great things for Jesus and you can obey Jesus in all these different ways. But if you're not seeing Jesus in it, if you're not spending time with Jesus himself in it, in the end, you have missed the point. We've missed the point. Without Jesus, it's all nothing. Jesus alone is the good portion. Not doing things for him, but him. He's the good portion and he is immeasurably good. Listen to just a few of the reasons that the Bible says Jesus is the good portion. We heard this one, Luke 4, verse 18, says Jesus is the bringer of good news and the liberator of the oppressed. Psalm 145, verse 9, says the Lord is good to all and mercy is over all that he has made. Psalm 107, verse 9, says he satisfies the longing soul and he sustains us with goodness. Psalm 23 says he provides goodness forever. Goodness follows us all the days of our lives. Mark 10 verse 17 says Jesus is the good teacher. Philippians 1 verse 6 says he began a good work in you and he will bring it to completion. Romans 7 verse 12 talks about how Jesus is holy and righteous and good. Psalm 23 again says he's the good shepherd. Jesus is good and does good. It's just a little taste of the goodness of Jesus. There's so many more places we could turn. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And then Jesus says right here in verse 42 of our passage, The good portion will never be taken away. The good portion, Jesus, will never be taken away from us. We have him forever, and that means that we can enjoy him forever and even today. Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail. Many of us can amen that over and over again. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then verse 28 of Psalm 73, for me, it is good to be near God. Everything can and maybe will be taken away from you. But Jesus will never be taken away from you. He's the good portion. He's all you really need. If you have Jesus, listen to this. If you have Jesus and you have nothing else, you have everything. 
And maybe you're thinking, I believe all this, but I'm so busy. And I get that. Busyness is a real thing. You have responsibilities. You've got job, kids, relationships, even just you're at home all the time. Even just being home, there's stuff you have to do. Church obligations that you feel like you need to do. And, and we are so grateful for everybody who does so many things as a part of this church. Busyness is a real thing. A lot of you, a lot of us are being pulled in a hundred different directions. But think about a couple of things. Before I say this, we're, we're obviously not trying to compete with Jesus, right? But think about this. Nobody was busier than Jesus. He had a few things on his plate, right? Nobody was busier than Jesus, but he made time for things like prayer, for being with the Father, sometimes even all through the night. No amount of busyness and service would keep him from communion with God, from being with God in different ways, being with the Father. We want the same thing to to be true for us. And then second, think about this story. Martha is doing a lot of good things. And as we've seen, that caused her to miss the best thing. Her priorities were off. They were understandable, but they were off. And she may have been accomplishing things, but it wasn't really amounting to anything eternally significant because she was missing out on Jesus. What Martha needed to do in this moment is slow down. What she needed to do was really to not do, but just to be with Jesus. That's what Mary did. Mary could have been doing all kinds of things. Martha wanted her to, right? But Mary chose to slow down. How many of us need to hear that? Slow down. You don't have to try so hard. God says, you don't have to do so much. You're, you're already mine, is what God says to his people. You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to impress me, is what God says to his people. Jesus has already done everything. There's nothing left that you have to do anymore. Enjoy me, be with me, walk with me, is what Jesus says to us this morning. Mary chooses to sit down, to slow down, and to be at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus himself says that Mary chose rightly. She chose what's good. Martha is doing all these good things in service to the Lord. She's serving so much to the point of consternation, distraction, exhaustion. She's tired. She's serving so much. And how does Jesus describe her? I'm sure Jesus was not ungrateful But he doesn't just pour out his gratitude here to Martha. What he does instead is is say, you're exhausted because of all your serving and you're distracted. Again, I'm sure Jesus was, was grateful, but that's not what he says. He says, you're distracted, Martha. He says, you're distracted by many things and what a What a tragedy. How many of us are distracted? Today or every day? How many of us are doing good things? Doing, focused on doing a lot of things to the neglect neglect of choosing the good portion. We're doing things for Jesus 
and we're missing Jesus in the process. Let's, let's pray. We're going to pray in a moment, but let's pray that God would help us to not be distracted, to not do so much for Jesus that we miss Jesus himself. Let's, by God's grace, choose Jesus, choose his goodness. And as we begin this new year, let's keep it simple. You know, we can talk about resolutions and all these things, the good of them and the bad of them, but let's keep it simple this year and every year. Be with Jesus in prayer, in the word, through the church, through these simple, ordinary things that God gives us to be with him. Let's be with Jesus and let's be with each other, being with Jesus, right? Let's keep it simple. Let's choose the good portion. Let me read these words from J.C. Ryle. These are so good. He says this. The true Christian's portion is the grace of God. This is the good part which he has chosen. chosen, And it is the only portion which really deserves the name of good. It is the only good thing which is substantial, satisfying, real, and lasting. Listen to this. It is good in sickness and good in health. It's good in youth and it's good in age. It's good in adversity and it's good in prosperity. It's good in life and it's good in death. It's good in time and it's good for eternity. No circumstance And no position can be imagined in which it is not good for man to have the grace of God. The true Christian's possession shall never be taken from him. He alone of all mankind shall never be stripped of his inheritance. Kings must one day leave their palaces. Rich men must one day leave their money and lands. They only hold them until they die. But the poorest saint on earth has a treasure of which he will never be deprived. The grace of God, the favor of Christ, are riches which no man can take from him. They will go with him to the grave when he dies. They will rise with him in the resurrection morning, and they will be his to all eternity. This is Jesus. He desires to be with you, and may it be so that we desire as a church and as the people of God more than doing for him, to simply be with him and rest in him today and all of our days. Let's pray.